0: This is AI podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. The real difference between givers takers and matchers agents i guess i took a slightly different path coming to the agency i know a lot of agencies you can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market this is ai podcast are you ready i am let's go All right, all right, all right, loyal listeners. Welcome to another episode of Agency Intelligence Podcast, where I give you a real agent inside a real agency, giving you the real agency intelligence and not at the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This is Cass. Can you believe that loyal listeners, like back in 2018, when I created Agency Intelligence, built off of AI, really was having a conversation with Jeff Roy, inside the mastermind, and yeah, we had agent's influence, which was already AI, and then he was like, you know, with AI becoming the thing, you needed to have a really another AI, and I was like, man, and we got agency intelligence, and now AI is the talk of everywhere, and I walk around, and I'm thinking, hell, even in other industries, they're talking about AI, and then I realize it's not agency intelligence, it's artificial intelligence, so I'm like, shit! But anyways, it was a, it was a, it was a oh, good name, name brand recognition. So anyways, today, folks, as you know, agency intelligence, the difference between that and agents influence is agency intelligence is where I bring you a real agent inside a real agency, giving you the real agency intelligence. And today, it is Mr. James Jenkins, agency freedom himself out of the great state of Texas. James, welcome to the podcast, brother.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to have you. Now, here's the deal. Before we get going, one of the things I want to say is you need to go to Inditech2023.com. Inditech go there and check it out, whether you're a vendor and you want to join all the other vendors that are joining us, or if you're an independent insurance agent. I need to make this clear to you guys. This is not an InsureTech show. This is not like a show where people come and vote on who has the best product. This was made for independent insurance agents, you, and who use independent technology to come and see all the technology that's out there that's being used. That's the point of it. And James, the reason why I make this real quick is I've had a couple agents say, oh, that's for me. I thought that that like that was for if you were like if you had a technology company, I've really heard this. And I'm like, yep. no, no, no. I specifically have made this for independent insurance agents and just happened to bring all the technology. Um, so if you're out there and you're and you're hearing that, be sure to go to IndyTech 2023. You can see the promo video where I lay it all out, what it's going to be for you. Be sure to go check it out. We have people signing up. We have a ton of vendors that you can see. You can go right to that website and you can see the vendors that we have lined up coming. So uh, it's going to be super time. James, thank you very much for taking a uh, minute and let me spit in that game out there brother
1: yeah man well we both have a vested interest in making sure that the house is full there because it makes the event so much more engaging and interesting and mm-hmm. i mean there's nothing worse than going to an event that's you know 30 percent full Correct. and even if even if it's great you're you're left wishing that more people had showed up because it just makes the the whole thing more interesting right the, the more ingredients thrown into the you know the casserole that will occur in Indianapolis in late August
0: ironically enough the casserole but uh but what also the uh, the calendars <laughs> on there the
1: casserole right you that go. that was good All you right, did man. it you
0: did it jace you're Great. so weird you
1: ruined the word now i can't say the word casserole <laughs> without seeing your stupid face <laughs>
0: There's could be worse
1: things. Oh, man.
0: Um, but yes, with the Inditech, also, uh, loyal listeners, there's also – we're having tracks going on all day. When you go there, you can see the calendar. The calendar is already filled out um, for it. And you can see all the tracks that are where education and tracks going on during the day besides the event going on where you walk through the customer journey and experience the technology, all that good stuff. But in the meantime, before that happens – Uh, James, me and you, uh, and a bunch of people are heading down to old Key West for what's it called? Producers in paradise. Yeah.
1: Producers in paradise for the killing commercial mastermind that our good friend, Mr. Carruthers uh, put together about three years ago. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and it's funny, a lot of people are like, I've never even heard of this. Well, the reason you haven't is you, it's kind of, that's kind of the point is that you've got to be in the killing commercial and it's really, I'm not just trying to say that we're more selling than others, but really to spend that kind of we, money, we are. you got to be, yeah, let's be real. You got to be focused on what you're really trying to do. You got to be a killer and you also have to be a deep sea fisherman.
1: It definitely doesn't hurt. I was my first ever deep sea fishing experience last year. And oh man, that's a lot of fun, dude! A lot of fun, ton, ton. Yeah, I I am definitely hooked, uh, dude. James, there you go again. What's going on, jeez, I, Louise? I, da- I got to get my dad jokes out. You man. Know, I am absolutely shameless with the dad. We're jokes.
0: south of uh, we're south of Key West in the Atlantic Ocean, and so we're there. And yep. I, I look up on the depth meter, and it's forty seven hundred feet.
1: Yep. Yeah, man. No, we got way out. We were chasing a school of tuna. The captain had his eyes on a group and we chased them for, gosh, probably close to an hour to try to get somewhere where they would settle down and let us drop the hooks in. And it felt like we were like all the way to Cuba. And I asked (laughs) the guy, I was like, how far out are we? And he looked at the map, was like, um, we're more than halfway to Cuba. And we're like 50 miles from Key West. <laughs> it's just an open ocean. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of trafficking and pirates and yeah. stuff out in these waters. Maybe we shouldn't be 50 miles from coast. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about this. Um, but everything is fine. We weren't, you know, yeah. abducted and murdered, uh, thankfully. But you catch but, so. it and
0: then you take it back up to shore and then you they cook it right there and eat it. It's unbelievable
1: they dress it right in front of you give you fillets you stick in a ziploc bag in a, in a, a freezer tote and then go to the restaurant and they cook it any way you want Boom. It. and blackened fried grilled whatever it's it's like the best fish i've ever had in my it's life phenomenal. hands down
0: the only bad no. part about the dinner is, is I'm absolutely exhausted. All I want to do is I want to eat and I want to go to bed because I've been drinking yeah. for three days and then I just got done uh, uh, catching these
1: bad boys, you know? Well, Carruthers knows what he's doing making that on Sunday because everybody yeah. is tapped out at that point. Yeah. And you wake up on Monday morning and it's time to board a plane and go home. It is. Because there ain't no more learning happening after a full day of deep sea fishing. Yeah. That's for sure.
0: It will put it will put the beating on you. It will put the beating on you. But absolutely fun. Absolutely fun. And then following that, I think, is going to be Indie Tech. I don't think there's any other events uh, more going on. But I want to talk no. real quick, James. I want to turn this uh, as we go um, to – I used to have, James, a, a long podcast. Usually I keep them between 20 to 30 minutes. There's probably no way in the world, Jason – Cass and James Jenkins are going to get on a podcast and it only lasts that long. But let me ask nope. you this, where are we Zero at chance. in the state of this industry? I want to talk about the state of this industry as far as our carriers. I want to talk about the state of the industry as far as our vendors and our and our partners that help make us uh, make or transact business and yep. uh, and also talk about the agents um, and and technology and where it's at with that.
1: You want to join? You with me? want me to take it in that order?
0: No, not necessarily in that order. We'll jump around, but let's we can start with okay. that order. What do you think the carriers are thinking right now?
1: You know, I think the carriers, and I'm just going to keep it simple because the distribution value chain is more complex than it's ever been. Amen. We have you know like four different categories of approach to the market with uh, the the DTC direct to consumer players, the whole world of embedded and pseudo embedded. And then, of course, your admitted blue chip players, and then the whole ENS marketplace mm-hmm. that includes all the wholesalers and all of that. Like, I can't talk about ENS because we'd have an entire podcast about the state of the market in the ENS world. Yeah, but I, I think the reality of the the ESG conversation—you know, environmental and social, social and impact, uh, and uh, and it, governance, governmental, environments, social, and governance—but basically, the environmental impact on the insurance industry, climate change has made a lot of impact felt in specific categories. You know, I'm mostly looking at property and auto. Their property is out of control, uh, largely due to increased cat uh, frequency and severity. you know whether whether you are, you know in a high fire area like Colorado, Wyoming, California, uh, in Oregon, too, or your or your coastal and you're more concerned about tropical stuff. I mean, the the impact of climate change on the frequency and severity of weather related cat losses. I think without making a political statement, I think you can look at the data right. and see that there's an uptick in 100%. weather cats. 100%. Where we blame and it, where I, the
0: politicizing comes is where who what's creating it. But at the end yeah, of the day, exactly. we all realize like it's the climate Change, as you said, is happening, besides that being yeah. a politically charged word. I agree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that is forcing a lot of carriers, just out of existential interest, to tighten up across the board, to reduce capacity, to renegotiate the reinsurance contracts, which puts downward pressure on the rest of the value chain. You know, you see rates spiraling out of control, and agents, uninformed, ignorant agents, want to rail about XYZ rate increases when I'm just like, have you seen the combined ratio in that line of business for this carrier? Do mm-hmm. you have any idea how underwater they are? They're sitting there with their entire house on fire. They're trying to figure out anything they can do to stop the bleeding so they don't you know, lose capacity or, dare I say it, lose a reinsurance mm-hmm. contract and then have to pull what you know HIPPO did here in Texas in 2019, 2020, I think, where they just say, nope, we're good. We're at capacity. We can't write homeowners in Texas. where they just... Pause entirely. The only reason they did that was their loss ratio was out of control because a certain uh, group of agents uh, that rhymes with moose bread uh, came in and wrote an absolute shit ton of hippo policies, and their loss ratio spiraled out of control. And they had to pause because reinsurance said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on, guys, no, 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 we're good. We we need to we need to fix this before we write a lot more policies." So. I think that's the state of of the entire country. You know, some some geographies are expressing it in certain lines of business, and others different lines of business. But there's a lot of pressure to adjust to the new realities of of weather and, and implications uh, in the differences, the variations of of the distribution value chain. That didn't exist five years ago. Totally
0: didn't. And 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 the climate change is a huge thing. I mean, it really truly is. There's no doubt that they're taking on more losses. You know, I go to my carriers, and well, we'll go beyond that. But there's also just simple education and things that just don't make sense. I was um, you got you hit this on some. You just made me think about this about a year ago, year and a half ago. I can't remember what company it was, but they did a study. And they said that back in 1970-something, the average homeowner deductible was $250. And equate that to today, that the average homeowner, if it was $250 deductible, is equivalent to $23 to $24, $2,500. So, so for you to try to get somebody to take it up $500 to $1,000, they're still way under where it used to be in a time where claims really weren't made, where where there weren't a ton of claims made. Now there is, and the the relevance also. So I think it goes back up to we're either going to have to start taking um, higher premiums or larger deductibles. That's always been the case, right? But no one ever messes with this, James, until it stops, until it starts hurting the mortgage and home business. Once, it, yep. once you don't have loans that can't close because rates are too high, that's when Uncle Sam gets involved, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: There's, there's a two-stage process to this. If you don't, if you as in the market, if the carriers don't respond to the affordability crisis, then it becomes an availability crisis. Uh, Just ask anybody in Louisiana or Florida about the pricing, and they're going to be more concerned with can I even get homeowners' insurance? Right. Can I go somewhere other than citizens to get access, to find an entry point to meet the needs that I'm contractually obligated to meet with, you know lenders and mortgagees and whatnot? The whole affordability question, I, I think, deductible raising and if further segmenting of the, the way that coverage is offered, you know, we, you know, five, 10 years ago, everything was packaged out. Oh, here's your package of endorsement options for your homeowner's policy. And we're going to include da da da, 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 da mm-hmm. in a package. Do you want this package or not? Now, just about every carrier has a la carte everything. Mm-hmm. It, you are literally picking and choosing whatever you want at the point of sale. And, you know, some captive carriers and and agents in particular are are famous for selling stripped out policies that are very competitive on price Mm -hmm. and it's a certain you know blue company that i'm not going to name but when when you as an independent agent go up against an exclusive agent from a certain company that is very commonly stripping everything out you're getting over the affordability problem now whether or not it's it's ideal for the client i mean that's an entirely Mm -hmm. separate conversation Mm -hmm. but it's not even the company's fault honestly it is the individual agent in my opinion that has a responsibility to move beyond the lowest common denominator, whole selling on price thing. And they feel like they have to do something like that to meet the affordability needs of the client. The problem is they're not disclosing to the client what they're doing. The client thinks they have a policy that meets their needs. You know, the old joke, what should your insurance cover? Everything. And what should it cost? (laughs) Nothing. It's like, the client expects that the policy covers what they think it covers. They're not reading the document. Mm-hmm. They're expecting that their agent is giving them what they asked for. And a lot of the agents aren't in in the name of meeting this affordability crisis. Now, I think we can both agree that increasing the deductible or leaving off an endorsement is a perfectly acceptable strategy. Mm-hmm. As long as we're disclosing to the client exactly what we're doing. I, th- I think a lot of agents are feeling the crunch of increased cost and all these other factors that are putting pressure on the retail agent. They're just not following good systems, processes, and workflows and you know, disclosing to the insured exactly what they're doing. I think that's a whole separate conversation, obviously, but you're absolutely right. There's an affordability crisis mm-hmm. almost uniformly across the country. And if we don't respond to it as an industry, then we will have an availability crisis very soon thereafter.
0: So when it comes to our vendors and it comes to those uh, that help us communicate, help us transact business, I think that there's a lot going on, right? So you have the the insurer techs, uh, or I would as I would call, indie techs that yeah. are really making a statement, really getting like the 101s, uh, Westons that are really pushing these. Before, it was like these people were coming in, um, these techs, and they didn't have any Um, connections to any agents or connections to carriers and stuff. And now we've got these incubator systems that have come along and InsureTech Boston and all these different types of things, which I think has, has really, really jarred. And I'll be honest, I don't think that the industry yet, as far as the vendors and stuff is what we're talking about, I don't think they realize the ramifications of what is getting ready to occur in their life in the next two to four years. Because there's all these little guys that are all kind of just going. And before, it was very hard for them to really work and really get motivated or really fine. Now with these incubators, I think there's a bunch – we're creating a bunch of Googles and Apples and Oracles right now that just haven't gotten big. And I think once they yep. get big, they're going to be so rooted that by the time you see them start coming out, I really think they're going to make a really huge punch um, on a lot of our vendors in our space, and I and I could say that in the communications, I could say that in you know lead generation servicing. I, I'm not just saying one specific; I'm saying a lot. What do you think? Because yep. when it, let, me just, let me just say this, James, here's where they always talked about disruption to us. I think they're getting ready to get
1: disrupted.
0: What do you think about yeah. that?
1: I think you're absolutely right in a large sense, and you take what happened with Lemonade as a good example of a company that comes in with a full head of steam, very well funded, and they've got a, a mandate from their backers in Silicon Valley and investment banks and whatnot, go out and, and do what you're doing. They write a giant pile of renter's policies uh, and then diversifying other lines of business. And then they go through their IPO. And then a year later, they're a tiny fraction of their IPO price and they're to a lot of people, they're a good example of what happens when you piss off the entirety of the retail agency force hey, and end up with, you know, going back with your tail tucked between your legs uh, through uh, AmSwiss and say, oh, hey, retail agent that we've been shitting on for the last three years, you want a contract to write lemonade policies? I think it's it's a really good example of mm-hmm. the shift in recent years, because, I mean I mean, you've been around a lot longer than I have, to see where, you know, 2016, 17, 18, everybody's trying to replace the retail agent. They're trying to find any other way to get distribution out to the market that doesn't involve an independent retail agent. And in the last year or two, maybe in 18 months or so or less, I've seen a pretty drastic move back in the direction of, hey, agent, we want you to partner with our company for distribution of Mm -hmm. our stuff. We want you, you know, for the, the subscription-based insurtechs, like a you know a CRM company, like a a, a better agency or Agency Zoom from Vertifor or InsuredMind or other you know ancillary or secondary categories, like a Wonderite, for instance, which isn't an AMS or a CRM, but you know fills a very necessary role in the the universe of you know, data collection and discovery and, and aggregating third-party stuff. I think you're absolutely right that those kind of companies, the smaller ones for sure, in in this current economic environment almost have an advantage because the funding from venture capital, from angel investors, certainly from Silicon Valley, but we saw what happened with Silicon Valley Bank Mm -hmm. just going belly up in the matter of like two weeks, the whole thing goes from mostly okay to everybody got scared and there was a run and Silicon Valley Bank goes from being, you know, nine figure capitalized to... Filing for federal protections in a matter of just a few weeks. These really small companies don't have that problem because they have private money who's sitting there going, "Well, the market's out of control. I don't want to put my money in a, you know, index fund or, or sit it out there in the stock market to get obliterated by, you know, in, in, insolvency left and right and instability and, and volatility." Is really scary for these private folks all right
0: let's let's get exciting this is boring i'm about to fall asleep my damn self so i think that no, probably- the point is
1: the point is the really small folks don't have to worry about silicon valley bank no they and don't it was all in the news that that's the point sorry right. I, I rambled a little no, bit. that's there. okay
0: that's okay no no i see your positioning and i like it but i also i like listens and downloads and people like to share shit whenever we give them meat and juice. So I asked a question inside of the Facebook group, and I said, hey, how long until, uh, um, until uh, Raiders are obsolete? Um, 12 months, next 24 months, never. And majority of the people said 24 months or more. Um, I'm going to say that you will still have Raiders around in five to seven years. I'm not saying you won't have that. But will an agency like Jason, not so much James, when we're talking on the personal line side, loyal listeners? He sold his uh, yeah. personal lines book because he's smart. <laughs> he's smart,
1: and I don't regret it at uh, all. You should I am glad I did.
0: I shouldn't. I brought it up to Travis ten times since I heard you and uh, 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 Eric did it, and I'm like, God, I would love to. But anyways, um, uh, what was I talking about? Shit. Uh, Oh, about the Raiders. I truly believe that in the next um, six months, you will have a major portion. And when I say major portion, I'm going to say 10 to 20%. I'm going to say 40 agents inside of the mastermind that will not be using a Raider. And if they are, it's only for a very, very unique reason. And I say that because I already know that in our agency, by using Gaia Technologies, we could eliminate our radar right now. We're waiting for, uh, an, um, uh, I think, Erie to be done, for the AI to learn Erie. But the AI's already learned Progressive. It's already learned Max. It's already learned Stryd Auto. It's already learned Nationwide. So we can collect the information through Risk Advisor right now and press a button, and it just goes and pre-fills those, those things instantly. And so um, we're waiting for Erie. We'll probably have Erie done in the next week. So like we're not going to be going to a raider, right? And like we just got this product. So I think it's – it's the reason I say this, James, and I want to get your feedback here is that <clears throat> this is one of those things, the AI in our of our life, that it, it's pretty damn close to the iPhone. I mean it's one of those yep. things that when I asked that question, how long do you think raiders – there was a large portion in that poll that said never will always have raiders. And I just think it's like, wow, they don't see that there's this device the size of your hand that fits in your pocket that will give you the answers to the world because they can't see that. And we're seeing it and other agencies are seeing it. And it just makes you realize really quick that if I knew if I was Vertifor, if I was applied and I knew what I know about what's going on in my agency, I would be scared shitless because I imagine a raider is a very, very large portion of their revenue.
1: AI is the inflection point because AI has been around for a long time, a long mm-hmm. time. Uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I had a, c- a call with Frank Sentner, and his episode dropped on my podcast last Friday. And I mean, Frank's been around for 47 years. It's ridiculous. You know, he was talking about, and I didn't even know this. He, I, I mentioned robotic process automation, RPA, uh, as being in the same breath as machine learning and AI. And Frank's like, well, RPA's been around for 30 years. RPA's not high-tech at all. Uh, But the difference that we saw about six months ago, it went mainstream, even though the whole project's been around since 2016 with the chat GPT thing. The general public became really interested in it. And now the insurance world is like, oh my God, wow. But it's because it's generative. It's not crunching some kind of numbers inside of a system like you train it and then you cut it loose and you tell it, create such and such, or go do this thing for me. And it it generates new content, new data, rather than just a report or something, or it sends data from point A to point B, like generative AI, holy crap, man, it's going to change everything. Perfect use case with you and the raiders, you know, we'll still probably call it a raider, you know, two, three, four, five years from now. But the reality is, it's generative AI behind the scenes that is taking data from all these places and doing something with it, which is what we haven't ever seen before. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's right. And and, and the difference, um, loyal listeners, when we're talking about this, is a mapping, right? Saying, telling the computer, if this, if you go here, then go here. Or telling it, hey, if you see full name or full, that means it means the full name, right? And it's telling it that stuff. The generative, which using large language models to actually create all that shit. Basically, when you tell it what the name of the insured is, it doesn't matter how it's asked. It'll figure out what it is because it's able to generate its own understanding of what this data is and what is the data it's going to just like me or you would be like oh I have this piece of paper that has this data on it I go to this site oh I can figure out that this needs to go there now the data may not be listed the same as the way it is there but I can kind of figure it out Um, and, and that's what you're talking about there there's no way that you could you could possibly know every which way every insurance company asks every question And that's where I think we'll always have automations. I think we'll always still need APIs. I really do. But I think that the amount of APIs we need are going to go away dramatically. Dramatically.
1: And um, yeah. Well, because if you have your own little pet robot running scripts on your end and collecting data from XYZ and... You know, you give your robot a login mm-hmm. to whatever carrier or wholesaler or, or whatever it happens to be. I'm reminded of Otter AI, for an example, like your Otter AI is sitting in the Zoom call with you mm-hmm. and it literally has a little box over there by itself. What is it doing? It's listening to everything that is said and then dumping out transcripts and creating content based on what it picked up in the Zoom call. A perfect example.
0: James, to add to that, this is so funny you bring this up. Thank you for bringing that up. So inside the mastermind calls, we have our average size of the call has more users than in the past ever, but we have less people on the calls. And the reason is, is because we'll have 30 people on the call, but we only are, but we're users. But we only have 16 or 17 people who are in the call because people like Cy Young, and I only bring him out because he's. I talked to him about this. He doesn't show up on the second Thursday. He always shows up on the fourth Thursday. So on the second Thursday, he just sends his otter <laughs> and his otter sits in there and takes the notes and then emails them to him and tells him which it is tell you watch one more which was and it's crazy <laughs> hold on hold on a
1: second you can send your order to a meeting that you don't even go to yourself that's what
0: they're doing james what i'm on getting Earth? more people coming to the mastermind members but less humans
1: yeah. Well, shoot, man. I need to sign up for Otter and have it go to the meeting for me. <laughs> now,
0: here's another one. So we were oh, talking about this at the last meeting. David Watson does this, which I thought was genius. So he's selling Risk Advisor, which all you loyal listeners, you should be looking at Risk or, uh, Risk Advisor. It's where you take all the information in. I I use it. I'm not an advisor or an investor, but I should be because it's awesome. Now, he takes, he does a demo for that, um, James. And what he does is, is he will show you this, okay? And he has Otter, that's, that's recording the whole time. It then zaps, it takes the transcript and zaps it to ChatGPT. When the zap is sent to ChatGPT, it asks them three questions like, what were the highlights of this meeting? Um, what did I forget to say? Um and it's already trained ChatGPT on what to say and 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 some other things or like what should I leave back I can't remember David Watson you can talk to him and give this to you. Then it emails that ChatGPT report back to him. So whenever he gets off it goes boom 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 sends it over boom boom he gets an email and he sees everything they talked about what he forgot and what ChatGPT is critiquing that he should do better.
1: So it's basically a call debrief. Brought to you by a generative AI. Yeah, it's so
0: crazy. It,
1: instantaneously. It's, it's we're crazy. living in the future, Cass.
0: No, and and, and 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 then I start to think, okay, well, wait a minute. If we're doing it this way, how can I have otter.ai app on my phone that I hit record whenever I'm with a client, right? It does the same thing, right? We're talking about this being done on Zoom, yep. but I want to be able to do this in real life. How great, James, think of this. I make my producers use it. And then when they do the recording, it sends me the email as well. And I can see what did they discuss? How did they discuss it? Did they te- hit the bullet points they're supposed to? See, that's what I'm thinking about. Even cutting out the chat GPT right now, but putting that transcription on their phone so that they record it and then it comes back.
1: But then if you have chat GPT built in with Otter AI or some other robot that's listening, you can tell it, hey, these are the target keywords, these are the phrases, these are the points that we want our staff to be making. And then it can send the producer. So you're not doing something, you know, sneaky behind the scenes or like yeah. helicopter bossing them. Oh yeah. Well, the producer gets their own report and says, Hey, of the seven things you're supposed to talk about, you've you forgot three of them. Absolutely. And it's like, hey, make sure you do this next time. I would imagine that's not that hard. I never even thought about Otter and ChatGPT, like zapping stuff to each other. I had
0: neither, but uh, you know, as David says all the time, is man, is if you get it in transcription, you can get ChatGPT to do anything. And so I thought it was genius. So talk to David Watson more about it. Just things that people are doing out there. Let's talk about agents real quick. Here we're already. I think we were on twenty. Yeah, well, never mind. Um, Yeah,
1: we're running a little bit long. Talking
0: about agents, um, Jeff Roy says. That AI will not replace agents, but agents, those who use AI, will replace those who don't. Yep. We're starting to see this, just some of the stuff that you and I were talking about. I think one of the places where it really becomes into a focus is goes back to what we were just talking about. I want to get this, James. I want you. I want to hear this from you because this is, goes along uh, with what you say. And I think that, I think margins are huge, right? Yep. When, when agencies niche and they start to find their target client, they can find out and know what their margin is and bait, betting off that margin and knowing that margin's consistent, we can make decisions and stuff that could put us in an advantage to another business. I think also when we look at revenue per our payroll. So if we take our payroll and of any agency, if you have a million dollars in payroll or a million dollars in revenue, you probably have anywhere between four hundred and fifty dollars to $600,000 of that is payroll. I mean, I know that just sounds goofy as can be to people, but look it up. That's probably exactly right where it comes in. And when I talk about payroll, anything that has to do with the expense, I'm talking health care, I'm talking taxes. Yep.
1: Any, Benefits, taxes, everything. Yeah,
0: everything, okay? But yep. what we're finding out is those who are using VEs and using VEs are starting to get into that lower 50, higher 40%. But think about this. Think about today when I can take four quotes and it takes an hour to an hour and a half to get all the way through those in personal lines. Keep them on commercial lines too. And it takes an hour to an hour and a half to get all the way through those, run the reports and get final quotes. But I can do those same four using the technology I have in less than 10 minutes. Where does that come into payroll? When that happens to be one of our largest expenses, if I can take my yep. payroll from 55 to let's say 25 to 30% of annual revenue, that that gives me a competitive advantage that now allows me to say, hey, I did not put you out of business. The fact that you didn't use AI and I did put you out of business, not you, James, but just talking to somebody else out
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: tell me your thoughts on that. I mean there's 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 there comes a point in time where you talk about this inflection point.
1: Yeah. No, and you have to talk about it or at least even if you're not willing or wanting to talk about it you have to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Because and I I agree with Jeff. Uh, there is going to come a time in the not distant future where there's a a very clear bifurcation of the entire agency force at a national level. There is either You are either doing something with generative AI or you are actively choosing to not do something because (laughs) the percentage of agents that are ignorant of the existence of this stuff is going to continue to shrink Mm -hmm. quarter after quarter, year after year, And you know, two, three years from now, you will have absolutely no excuse if you're not using it. You will in essence be saying, I'm aware of it. I choose not to use those tools which means that they're at an existential disadvantage to all of their competitors that are using this stuff. And a perfect example, and and you alluded to it just now, what happens when the low-level clerical administrative crap that bogs down so many agents, what happens when a robot takes care of something that one of your team members was spending 10, 12, 15, 20 hours a week Mm -hmm. on? Are you replacing that team member or getting rid of them? No, you are leveling up that team member and letting them do more impactful, more profitable things with their time. Does it require more of the team member? Yeah, it does. Does it mean that a lot of people that are used to operating on cruise control are going to have to step it up and apply themselves in ways that maybe they haven't had to in recent years where, I mean, commissions and fees just came in with minimal effort yeah it does mm-hmm. but th- that's good news for those of us that are trying those of the the people that are not trying aren't listening to this podcast so i don't have that's to true. be polite to them those folks are bottom feeders and they're going to find their place in the market disappearing at a rapid pace it will. Uh, You'll, it- no i i made a i made a, a a comment here a few months ago and it I stand by it. I said, and there's exceptions to the rule, of course, but speaking in a general sense, an insurance agency never goes bankrupt because the renewal income stream is more than sufficient to not allow bankruptcy to be an existential threat. The reality is it just gets slowly smaller and smaller and either gets sold off or passed down to a family member or gets absorbed in in some other way where it's a much smaller valuation, a much smaller exit than it could have been. And the reality is these folks that are on the sidelines that are not engaging in generative AI and taking advantage of the opportunities in front of them, they're not gonna be out of the game. They're just going to be marginalized and eventually, quietly, slowly fade away and their agencies will die and be absorbed by somebody else, private equity-backed broker or whatever, and and they will, Exit the game. So think in, of it. In think of the compound.
0: Whimper. Think of the compound, James. Okay. Got an agency like yours that's using VEs. Okay. Yep. Then you got an agency like yours that's using RPA. You got an agency like yours that's going to start using AI as the tools start coming out because you're open that way. You're taking your biggest expense, let's just say it's 50%. And also, the tasks that you're using this technology to do, 70 to 80% of the tasks that we do in an agency don't require a license. So you're literally taking that biggest part of what your agency does that doesn't require a license. You're taking people who don't need to have a license or technology, and you're removing the people who cost you money and putting just that technology on there. You can see... How really, really fast, and it literally is two to three to four years, your agency is so far ahead of where other people are that once they start to do it, they can't just – it's it's almost like – um it's almost like – uh it's uh, – uh, I can't really it, think of the analogy, but I know there's something out the there. The
1: analogy was compounding interest in a 401k, where if you start – If you start investing in your 401k at the age of 30, and it's $500 a month or whatever, and one of your friends starts investing the same amount of money three years later, by the time the two of you reach 50, those first three years with compounding interest having its full effect, you'll be way ahead of where your friend was, even though he only started three years after you and it's contributing the same amount monthly because compounding interest is a superpower.
0: What let's let, we need to name that, James. Compounding digital, um compounding there needs to be a name for that, right? But like in the not compounding interest, but like in what we're talking about, the processes, the workflow, the the platform.
1: Compounding advantage. Huh? Or something like that. Like the compounding advantage effect or something. Something
0: like that. But dude, it's there. It's exactly yeah. what you just said in that 401. The, these first years. Uh, it, it, I'll tell you another one. They say uh, in the book Outliers, they say one of the main reasons why like uh, Bill Gates and Gene Wachowski and Steve Jobs and all them, they were born in between 54 and 59. And, and, and that put them into when most computers were coming into colleges was 1968 to 72. So it happened to be that those guys happened to be coming into college and they say Bill Gates, the computer he worked on And learned on, they say that he had over 10,000 hours before other people even realized what a computer was at the location, right? And now, now he only had a year or two start, right? What we're talking about. But it was that year or two start that was so monumental to something like this. And James, that's where we're at. And I will tell you this, uh, my goal for the last 10 years has been to tell agents that it's coming, that it's coming, that it's coming. It's now so yeah. far down the line. I, I can't really worry about you if you were back in the traditional sense and you haven't still made a decision. If you still think using VIs and using uh, VEs and technology is a bad idea, there's just there's just no hope for you. And I hate to say that because I believe like Elon does with the population, we need a lot of independent insurance agents. Having a few is yeah. not a, to our advantage.
1: Well, and and here's where the competitor in me goes okay no that's fine you you keep on going and not doing it because the principal of the agency may not want to do it but your staff definitely does Mm, it's true and when your staff gets frustrated enough that you're not doing innovative things they're going to start peeking over the fence and trying to figure out okay where can i go that's going to take advantage of these technologies and take advantage of the things that are available to make my life easier my life is in the producer the Mm -hmm. csr the account executive that gets frustrated because they're stuck in an antiquated agency that you know maybe they're making good money but if they don't like their day-to-day there's a lot more than money brother and you're you're gonna find a, a large percentage of people maybe not immediately but in the next five years i bet you there's a at least a few hundred thousand folks that leave their jobs, oh, not because they're unhappy with their compensation, but because they're unhappy with the stale culture and the lack of innovation in their office. And they feel like they're behind their competitors simply because of the way their office is operating.
0: Talk about the compounding effect of that. So not only do you use, lose your clients, but that means you lose your money. And not only do you lose your money, but you lose your people. Like that, when it goes, it goes fast. And I love how you say that. James, here's what I want to do. I want to wrap this up. I thought this was a pretty good podcast. Um, James, tell us about your book. Tell us about the stuff that you're doing. Um, People that are listening, they're watching you. They're realizing that a year ago you weren't doing many shows. Now you're flying everywhere. People are needing your expertise. What's going on in your life? Wrap it up for us, brother.
1: Yeah, you know, this this spring, uh, I had 7 speaking engagements. That's a lot more than I thought I was going to. I told my wife I wouldn't do more than 10 in a calendar year, which is why the second half of the year is a lot lighter. We finished up the book. Uh, it is called Leaving Captivity. It is a blueprint uh, that, that is designed to help someone launch a successful uh, scratch agency. A lot of folks are coming out of the captive world, a lot of folks are moving from producer to principal. Thank you, Miles Merwin. He's he a a champion as well. They are using this book to help them avoid mistakes. You know, the, the, the first line of chapter one in Leaving Captivity, it says, this book didn't exist when I needed it most, so I wrote it. Wow. And wow. the idea is there's so many things that you don't even know you don't know mm-hmm. when you're trying to get an agency stood up. Uh, the first year, the first 18 months, you're playing more defense than offense. And, leaving captivity is, is going to help people break even faster. Uh, and that's, uh, that's the biggest thing. A lot of where I'm marketing it is networks, uh, like SIAA and others, uh, that recruit heavily in the captive world and the exclusive distribution side of things. But th- you can find it on Amazon, just search leaving captivity, or you can visit my website, jamesjenkins.com, uh, and, uh, it's right there. It's easy. A lot of folks uh, enjoy the audiobook version instead of paper. <sighs> uh, so, for those of you that uh, find my voice easy to listen to for whatever reason, uh, the audiobook is available on Audible. I recorded it myself uh, with one of our clients It's a music studio here in the North Texas area, and, and it is live on Audible, ready for download right now.
0: Wow, dude! Fantastic, James. That's that's awesome, dude. That is. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud of you. I've watched you come um, and. Uh, just the success you've had in the last two to three years, it's the exact kind of reason, it's the exact success that I love in young agents and in agents that allows them to go. I think you would agree. It's taken you places that you've never been, You met people you've yep. never thought you would meet, and you've given your family the life that you never thought that you could give them.
1: You're That's right. That's the beautiful. And I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that you are in the acknowledgements in the book. Huh. Uh, it is largely your fault that I started the podcasting yep. thing. Yep. Uh, you called me up and basically demanded that I launch a podcast because mm-hmm. I said no. And then you came back to me and said, no, I'm serious. You need to do this. Yep, you do. And here we are. So I I don't know how proud that makes you. You have a lot of feathers in your cap, yep. uh, but you are in a large part responsible for Uh, me being a podcast host and all the things that have happened since then.
0: And I knew that those things would happen. I knew the industry needed to hear you. Um, A lot of the podcasts that are out there are just boring, man. But you have a way of saying what needs to be said, regardless if people like it or not. I'm that way. And that's why I don't get invited to all the cool places sometimes. And sometimes you don't get invited to all the cool places. Sometimes now, what cool is? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious there. But I, what that I'm means, still
1: working on those invites, by the huh? way. i I'm still working on those invites. Yeah, I want those yeah, invites. You know,
0: but but here's the thing: I take it as a pride that I wasn't invited, because that just shows me that I'm the eagle, right? They're 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 all the birds that are flying together, and when you, when I don't purposely get invited to something, I don't care what it is. When I don't get invited to it, I think to myself, okay, I'm doing it. Because I know that leaders sometimes have the loneliest life, right? And I, I just yeah. know that. And so and I'm cool with that. But here here's the thing that I that I want you to know. I knew that you would be willing to have that kind of attitude as well and you would do and say what needed to be said to push this industry along. And that's what's the cool thing. It's not about our egos. Don't get me wrong. It's cool that I go places and people know who I am. Don't get me wrong. I know you feel that same way as well. But at the end of the day, I need in 60 years, I want people to be meeting people they never thought they would be meeting and going places they never thought they would be going and giving their family the life that they never thought that they would give. To me, that is what is important. That's totally what is important. And I think deep down inside, that's what's important with you. And that's why I invite you on. Thanks very much for doing this podcast with me, dude. We got to make sure we keep doing this again.
1: Awesome. Thanks for the invite, man.
0: James. They call him, I sometimes call him J-squared. He calls himself Jinx, but I spell it with an I. He spells it with an E um, because I think that when two people talk just like James does one should not be excluded. They both should be heard. Jinx was his name. Jason Cass is mine. Now be sure to tell me what to do because you know I do what I do when I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jay Cass. He's Jinx. We're out. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes so you give me an auto quote i can do five to ten carriers in three to seven minutes How are we doing it we're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence give us a call check us out you can ask for me personally i'll do the demo for you who are they CAS certified